This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 286 of the Dressage Radio Show, brought to you by the Horse Radio Network. And our sponsors, Dr. Rose's Remedies, Total Saddle Fit, and EasySignsOnline.com. Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Fergus, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hi, Philip. Hi, Reese. How are you? Not good. <laughs> it's been one of those days, hasn't it? We don't have a producer today. We do not have a producer, and today's the day we, we needed a we producer. We needed a producer and a, and a techno guy, and, and Glenn, Glenn the Geek, as he calls himself. Not around. Not Thanks, around. Glenn. Busy guy. Yeah, he's a busy guy. So we were left to our own devices, which was not good. It's not been working out well. No, it's not been good for us. But we're gonna we're gonna hope that the recorder works here. And uh, yeah, when Philip and I have to get all geeky and techno, it gets well. I don't even try, and Philip does a very good job trying. So, <laughs> but that's okay. So that's okay. Um, we're putting it together. We're gonna have a yeah, show. It's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be a great show. So, Philip, how has your week been? Um, well, I don't know if you've heard about us up here in the north, but uh, oh. I think the whole country, well, the whole continent is experiencing this freeze weather horribleness. It's been horrible. Well, not to be a Debbie Downer, but, um, you know, I mean, it was, uh, we had below of like nine degrees two nights ago. And I mean, I don't know, Fahrenheit, I don't know how you are, Philip, but, you know, we, we after last winter, if it's under 20 degrees, we don't work the horses. So, because um, it's just it's just too cold. Yeah, it's it's been borderline, anyways. And yeah. uh, you know, just just be thankful that you're not in Buffalo. Those poor people. Oh my gosh, those poor people. So anybody listening in Buffalo, we are thinking about you guys. My you, goodness. You can. I mean, it's not that far. You can drive over to my house. Yes. We'll hang out. You Get can hang out snow. with Philip. Yeah, <laughs> you'll just have to jump like literally. Very um, um, yeah, large amounts of snow. I, yeah. I don't think I've seen snow like that in my life, so I don't mm. even know. Oh, and I, cool. I'm I'm good with that. Yeah. But yeah. before that, I mean, before all this happened, we had a we had a really great week. We were talking. You know, I, I think we told all our listeners we were on on our way to um, to Hustler Dressage and River Edge Equestrian, and and had a great symposium there and learned a lot of cool stuff. We did, and and we came back. I you know we both came back with such momentum. And then it was freezing. <laughs> so. Yeah, I was like, okay, let's work horses. Let's do stuff. Yay, and then awesome. snow bomb. Yeah, <laughs> snow bomb. Yeah, no, we didn't. We, we got some snow, but for us, it was just the really cold temperatures and the wind. We've had really bad wind. So, um, you know, literally the horses that I run from the barn to the indoor, I'm like, I know it's freezing. Hurry. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and I know yeah. lots of Canadians were just, <laughs> they're heading out, they're pulling out, trucks are leaving now down to Florida. So. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, good luck. I See can't you later, wait. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have a good winter for sure. So, uh, I I can't can't lie. I I would have been packing my truck too, to be perfectly honest. So we hope everyone is surviving well and um, you know keeping warm and and watching your horses because I think you know all of us it is it, it, it took took us all by surprise for sure. So. So what's going on, Philip, in the world of dressage? Well, we week? got a, we got a little bit of news going on. Um, it looks like the World Dressage Masters will continue with a new sponsor, VN Group of Ukraine. I think they're going to announce dates and stuff uh, coming up in December. So 
that's awesome because it's a you know it's a huge um, money show series you know that goes on uh, i think they have had one date in florida and dates all over europe and uh you know it's nice for for dressage riders to get recognized with a little bit of money and support that way because we don't have very many big shows where where you can win win some you know win some prize money and you know uh, and that helps to support even the top riders spend a lot to travel around and and to uh to compete so i think that's Absolutely. pretty awesome that's really, really good news for all of us, for sure. Um, and it's such a fun event, and, and I, I wish it well to continue, so that's wonderful. Yeah. And um, tell us about the Central and Caribbean Games that just happened. Well, Marco Bernal of Colombia on Farewell 4 wins the American and Caribbean Central Games individual gold. So congratulations to Marco. I think he that's- shows a lot in the, in the U.S. as well. He does. He 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 lives in. I think he lives in Wellington uh, full time, and he's a wonderful guy. He's a really nice guy. Um, I think we've had him on the show for a trainer tip, and uh, wonderful guy. Um, I really like Marco. So uh, he's got a great smile and a great sense of humor, and uh, I'm glad he did well. That's fabulous. And the silver goes to Dominican Republic's Ivan Losos Dominitz on uh, Foco Loco, and Bernadette Pujols of Mexico on Aurora. El Camino uh, took the bronze. So congratulations to all of those riders. So, Philip, I saw this really cool thing online. I really try um, through Facebook to to send articles that I feel like are are really good articles, uh, and I'll forward them along. And this is one of the articles I actually found on Facebook that I really liked, uh, and I got some kicks out of the whole thing. Uh, But it's 10 Habits of Highly Effective Dressage Riders. That sounds pretty good. I know. Well, we want to be highly effective dressage riders, so here we go. Number <laughs> so here one. Here we go. This is how to do it. Yeah, this is how you do it. Only okay. ten steps. Only ten. Let's see. Let's see how how many we can do. Number one, an effective dressage rider looks at upon each failure as a ladder rung. One step on and lift yourself up. Well, I mean, you can't. I mean, you can't be successful without having a ton of failures, right? That's that's right. what I tell people when I teach a lot. Don't be afraid to make a mistake. A mistake is, is teaching you just as much as success does, sometimes even more, you know. So I don't think there's a person who's done done anything successfully, you know, without making mistakes. So and dressage is the same thing. I mean, we always strive to be fair to our horses and, and to to be perfect riders and, and have great balance and, and all these things that you need to be able to do. But you have to fail at those things first. So Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think that's a really good one. All right, all let's right. go. Number two. An effective dressage rider leaves their personal issues on the ground, approaching each ride emotionally neutral. That's hard to do. I think that's almost uh, impossible to do every single day, all the time. Yeah, and I think you have to recognize. I, I have to be honest. Today, we had a really busy day here at the barn, and um, I was a little crunched on time, and we had a girl that couldn't be here. You know, there's a, this life was going on this afternoon. And I had my few horses to ride, which I never do. I always ride in the morning, but this morning was really cold, so I didn't. And I left them way too late in the day. Um, and to be perfectly honest, I walked around and encountered them. And then I had, I, I just, I felt like I wasn't doing a good job. Um, so I just said, okay, it was actually sunny, a little windy, but sunny. And so we went outside because I felt like I, I wasn't neutral and it wasn't their fault. It wasn't anybody's fault. I just wasn't in that place. And I didn't have time to be in that place. And I just thought, you know, 
I'm just I'm just gonna take a deep breath and 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 we're gonna go on a walk and enjoy the enjoy the sunshine and do some hills and so that's what I, I did. Easy. Yeah, I mean, I think sometimes emotional issues are because of the horse. Right. And then, and that then too. that's that's really tough, you know. That's or really you know, or you get to the barn and there's some sort of barn related issue. I mean, there's a million different ones I know from experience, but there's some issue there. And then you were fine coming to the barn, and then all of a sudden something comes up or whatever, and then right. then you got to get on the horse. Well, it's <laughs> yeah. okay to take five minutes and just you know really try yep. and center yourself and think you know how do I let this go or how does how do, how am I too much emotionally wrapped up in this horse and. And sure. how do I do a good job of, of being normal today? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I so, think all those things, you have to really figure it out. And um, yeah, absolutely. So number, number four. Number what was that number four? four? No, that was number two. So we need three. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Can't keep it all straight. Number three, effective dressage riders make themselves calm, make themselves the calm baseline that their equine partner can rely on at all times. Yeah, I mean, this is very similar, but this is, has to do, I think, with, uh, you know, trust issues and, and working on, um, you know, not taking emotion from outside the barn, but, but this is just being emotional about the training, right? And, yeah. you know, always when you're, when you're going through challenges and, and you're trying to fix stuff, things can get a little frustrating or you can get a little confused and, and, you know, always, always think back to what's, so what signals in your aids are you, are you giving to your horse? Are you being calm and confident and, you know, moving forward? Or are you, are, are you unconfident and, and sending mixed signals and stuff? So I think you have to really work at that as a rider. I love it. To be fair, you know, and to be, yeah, very, no, to be fair totally in your agree. training and to get, to get stuff done, but not, not from an anxious or frustrated point of view. Yeah, very good. All right, number four. An effective dressage rider owns their personal space both on and off the horse. So basically you have to have good posture. You have to stay, you know, you have to know. I think that this is really important because I have riders, you know, maybe they fall to the left and I tell them, hey, you should look in your normal life uh, what you're doing with your body because probably what you're doing on the horse is what you do, um, you know, in the chair or driving the car. And I find that with myself. I'm like, sit up, use your belly, you know, don't sit back. Um, so I do find that with my own personal, um, how I sit and how I stand. Uh, I have to be very careful and cautious with my own posture. Yeah, I think being um, a strong, like having a good, strong posture and, and sending um, positive, but very, very leadership type of aids to your horse, you know. So we talked about being yep. calm, and now this is talking about being um more more in the confidence realm of things and and owning what you're doing and owning your aids and and owning your communication with the horse and uh you know you want to be you yeah you you just have to have a really good confidence about yourself and i think that's what this one is about number five number five an effective dressage rider has trained their inner voice to be positive or constructively negative never defeating I think that that's really yeah, important. This is really good. Otherwise, you're going to not have a very fun time. Um, you know. Yeah, it just doesn't when, work. You know, when I I think back to you know how how am I fixing problems or how how am I riding my horse? I mean, all, all of us I think go back to you know maybe the last lesson they were given or whatever, and and try and find your inner voice to be like your coaches that you know you want a coach to be 
to be helpful to you and to lead you in the right direction but but not to put you down and not to put what you're trying to do down if you're if you're not you know if you're riding on your own and you're not getting it i mean it's you know don't think it's your fault don't think it's your horse's fault it just takes a really long time to learn to ride well yes well i don't think you <laughs> that's ever all it is you, just, you to gotta go well. out there and stay positive and keep working at it right yeah we we heard two international you know grand prix riders and trainers say that they continually work on their seat over the weekend and they still ride without stirrups and you know they're continuously working on their seat and i think that that's pretty amazing yeah, I mean, look okay. at the look at the things that you have achieved. You know, every time you run into a problem, just you got to go back and say, you know, listen, I, I this other thing three weeks ago was really hard, and I was able to get through that. Or I, you know, I thought I could never do this or that, and, and you know, look how far I've come. I can get through this if I just keep plugging away. I I keep trying to get positive instruction and uh, and find ways to help me to, to to be a better rider and to help my horse be a be a better um, dressage horse. So. Stay positive. Keep your inner voice positive. Don't yep. tear yourself down. That's not going to help. No, it doesn't help. Mm-mm. All right, number six. An effective dressage rider knows success happens one ride at a time, day in and day out, remaining consistent and realistic in their daily goals and expectations. And I love I that. That's exactly that's... what we were just talking about. Wasn't yeah. It? Yep. I mean, it it's doesn't get better, you know, all of a sudden. You know, sometimes we have these light bulb moments, but, you know, most of the time it's in the in the theory of dressage, the light bulb moments, and then you have to spend three months working it out yeah. and actually doing it. Working you know? it, yeah. It's important to understand, you know, where you're going and what you're trying to do, and then you got to do it. And that takes dedication, lots and lots and lots of riding, lots and lots of hours. Yeah. So. All right, number seven: an effective dressage rider has the courage to be creative in the problem solving, the courage to go beyond the textbook and think independently. And below this is the training scale. Yeah. Um, so let's just whole... stick to the training scale. Yeah. You can pretty much do whatever you want. Absolutely. And I think that that's really important, though, is, is if you sort of have a systematic approach on how you're going to train and you know that training scale and you learn how it works and you learn that's what trainers do is, is they work within that scale, yeah. um, then I think that you'll be, you'll be just fine. Yeah, I mean, you'll see if you go to clinics or you see a bunch of different people coaching. I mean, you can put the same rider, same horse in front of, you know, five or ten international trainers. They're all going to go after the training scale, but they might they might go at a, a little bit in a different way. You know, um, suppleness problems are are a huge one that can be fixed in a number of. T- some people like shoulder in a little better. Some people like travair a little better. You know, some people are using a lot of leg yield. But they're all going after the same thing, you know. Um, first establishing, you know, rhythm and relaxation and then going to the suppleness. And there's a million ways to do that. So you can be creative in your own, in your own program as long as you're sticking to the, the steps and the training scale. I think you can have success. And then you figure it out and, and you think, oh, wow, look, this, this really so works for me and my horse. Yeah, it's so smart. Exactly. All right, number eight. An effective dressage rider knows they must be an athlete in their own right before they expect their equine partner to be one. And I think we, we have talked about that a lot. We talk about this show. a lot. Yeah, different ways yeah. To, to, to improve fitness and flexibility and, uh, you know, all the athletic parts about being a rider. Absolutely. I love it. Okay, number nine. An effective dressage rider knows there is only one direction to go forward. 
I love it. <laughs> when all yeah. else fails. I mean, I mean, they're built to they built to run and and, and yeah. speed and all of this, and that's what they love to do. And and so if you're having pro if you're having real problems, I think the big biggest solution is just go forward and and let the horse enjoy his own movement and and don't get stuck in it. Um, you can you know refresh the horse's brain a little bit. You can get out of the arena, go for a gallop, you know stuff like this. Don't be don't you know this is a dressage thing, but people get so much into the control of the movement that they forget that the horse just loves to move loves running i mean you put him out in a big paddock you see, you see that in the horse and that's their natural ability and their natural instincts and and use that sometimes right absolutely and number 10 an effective dressage rider works for their horse not vice versa so i think that's always something to remember um yeah i mean it's i mean it's our fault we we you know we buy them or we breed them or or whatever, and then we stick them in a stall, and we expect them to be in our program and do everything that we want them to do. But I think it's only fair to to give them everything that they need to do the best job that they can. And and when you do all you know all the other nine steps, and you know, and being fair to the horse, and being calm with the horse, and giving them everything else, I think I think you'll have a really willing equine partner. Excellent. So this one was written by Nancy Cotting, and I found it online at Watapama. Um, it, it was on Facebook and I just shared it and I really liked it. And I thought social it was really, media is awesome. Yeah. And I thought it was a really cool thing to, to reproduce. And I wanted to talk about it here on the show. Cool. So, Thanks. Reese. Very cool. You're welcome. Well, right after this commercial break, we're going to come back with Jessica wisdom. She rode the Welsh Cobb stallion Cardi to the USDF Grand Prix freestyle national championships here in Kentucky two weeks ago. So I hope you enjoy her interview. With Christmas season fast approaching, it's time to start planning a custom gift that will last for many years to come. Visit our friends at ezsignsonline.com and browse their unique website for their many custom sign options and styles. With affordable prices for customized signs starting at $39.95, your holiday gift giving just got easier. Their step-by-step online sign ordering process allows you to choose only the sign options you want and see all the pricing up front. From horse farm entrance signs, vinyl banners, magnetic vehicle signs to stall nameplates, and much, much more for every horse owner. Place your order early to allow plenty of time for Christmas delivery. Check out the website today at ezsignsonline.com. That's ezsignsonline.com or call them at 1-800-640-8180. That's 1-800-640-8180. Well, it is our pleasure this evening to have Jessica Wisdom, head trainer at Equilibrium Equestrian, um, and she is a USDF gold medalist. And Philip and I saw her win the Grand Prix Freestyle here at the National Finals on her horse, Cardi, and we had to have her on the show. Jessica, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. This is great. Yes, we're so... My horses think it's great, too. Yeah, you got horses in the background like the rest of us, hey? (laughs) We love it. That's been fantastic. So, Jessica, tell us about your horse, Cardi, because he is phenomenal. Um, well, I'll tell you about my my what we affectionately call the pony. Um, I met him when he was two and a half at a, an American Sport Pony inspection down at Devonwood in Sherwood, Oregon, and his owner at the time contracted me to handle him um, for his uh, uh, stallion approval. And I was so impressed by him. He um, 
very good gates for a three-year-old, very good balance for a three-year-old, and just a stellar work ethic, especially for some with a handler he didn't even know. Um, he was attentive where where he could have been a you know a normal three-year-old stallion. And I told her I, I I really felt like this horse could compete in the in the open dressage world. And sure enough, she called me when he was three and ready to get started and sent him up to get started. And that year he won the Region 6 Training Level Championship. And we've been going ever since. Um, this year, uh, earlier this summer, um, Cynthia Miller, his party's other mother, um, gave me the opportunity to own him solely. And so now I'm, I'm his only mom. And uh, we're really excited. Nobody ever really saw all of this happening. And Kentucky was an incredible culmination of a really fantastic journey. So tell us about Cardi because he is a Welsh cub, correct? Correct, correct. Um, he was bred uh, actually here also in uh, Florence, Oregon. We like to joke that uh, I went to Europe um, searching for horses for myself a couple of times and ended up finding a Welsh cob in Oregon, and mm-hmm. he's my first Grand Prix horse. So it was a, a, a bit of a twist of fate that put us together and um, – he he's he's just phenomenal. He comes he comes every day and works hard every day. Um, during breeding season, he's doing double duty. Last year, I evented him just for fun, and he went out and won his very first event. Um, That's phenomenal. It's it, he's 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 my bud. How how old is he, and and how tall is he? He is 13 this year, and he is 14-3 and a very important half. <laughs> yeah, because if he was a little smaller, you wouldn't be able to compete him in, in the FEI levels, correct? Exactly. Well, he could compete in the FEI levels, but he couldn't compete in the CDIs, right, and that's something CDI. that we're super proud of with him because he's the only Welsh Cobb to ever compete in the CDI at the Grand Prix level. So um, lots of firsts with him um, along with me. Um, but that's... Um, that's something to talk about. He, um, that, that's special yeah, to be able to go down that's that's huge. To be proud of, yeah. <laughs> that's huge. So I was really pushing for that last half of an inch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So tell us, what has it been like to train him all these years? Um, I'd love to tell you that he's really complicated, but he's really not. I, I, he, he's, he, it's almost like cheating. It's so easy with him. He, he, he's never, he's never spooky. He never anticipates what we're doing. He's always just, it's always having a conversation, you know, when we hit the, well, really when we started schooling the Grand Prix stuff was the first time he really said, wow, this is kind of hard, mom. I don't know if I can get this done. And we really stepped up his cross training, taking him out for gallops and doing a fair amount of jumping with him. And that's, um, his fitness is super important to his ability to operate, you know, the, the Grand Prix, the entire Grand Prix all at one time he'd get tired he's just a little guy but um he's so uncomplicated he's so naturally quite straight naturally quite easy to get over his back relatively speaking uh, what's not to love you know people that ride him are just amazed at the the lightness that they feel and how big he feels for 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 a short guy now has there has there been anything in particular that's been a challenge for you guys well, he um, uh, confirmationally, um, we would like to see him a little bit taller in the withers, a little bit lower behind. Uh, so, might call him a bit croup high. 
Um, so really getting him to load his quarters in the ultra collected work, like the Piaf Passage Tour, he's got tons of activity, but uh, it's been a bit of a um, learning experience, especially for me. Again, this being my first Grand Prix horse, I didn't know that he really needed to shift his weight back there. <laughs> so um, I think it, it, it's been a journey for both of us, more than a training challenge, more just knowing where I was going. And I've been really fortunate to be um, have great coaches along the way that have been there to, to guide me because he's more than willing to do whatever you ask. If I can ask the right way, I mean, he is the ultimate tattletale. If there's a mistake, you know whose fault it is, and it's sure isn't his. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, that's a so challenge what? in itself, having to ride perfectly all the time. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, there's a lot of pressure. <laughs> and he's small, you know, my, my, my coach Carrie likes to remind me that there's not a lot of real estate up there. So you have to stay really still. And I am not a petite girl, you know, I'm five foot nine on top of a pony. So I really had to learn how to keep myself as still as possible. And for those people that think that's easy on that pony's back, he has a lot of movement. I, my, my way larger warm bloods are way easier to ride. There's just a little bit more place to sit on their back with him. It's like sitting on a pinhead and you got to keep your balance the whole time. I really had to improve my core strength and find my center because there's nowhere else to be up there. So tell us, that's always a great question. People ask, how do you improve your core strength? So what have you been doing that way? Um, I do a fair amount of Pilates. I did a little bit of yoga, but it's a little bit too slow speed for me. Um, I dance a lot. Um, I really find that my dancing has translated to um, some really good skill sets in my riding and vice versa. I've really learned how to move my body more evenly uh, on both sides where, you know, as we all know, we can tend to be one-sided. And I've had some pretty serious wrecks in my past that have made me more could make me tend to be more one-sided, but um, the dancing really encourages me to be really even and square over my core, and the, the riding does the same. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about your uh, your journey to the USDF Nationals. How did you qualify? What were you thinking of? I mean, that's a long way to come from Oregon. Oh, so my goodness. Tell us, tell well, that's quite that. the story to tell. Um, that was <laughs> definitely not on our radar to go to finals this year. It's a really long trip, and I, I, it wasn't even on my radar. I didn't even declare. And when he won there, um, I was like, great, he won. And um, then a student of mine also won her division. And she said uh, that evening at dinner, after a couple glasses of wine, um, we should go to finals. And I was like, ha, 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 have you ever driven across country with horses? And she's like, no, but you have. We should go to finals. And pretty soon the whole um, party nation was chiming in that that should be happening and by God, they made it happen for me. Um, but very few people know that I, I moved facilities directly before we left for Kentucky. Oh. And I, I didn't feel comfortable leaving, you know, my 40 horses in a brand new place with nobody there. And I, I told my team, Cardi, if you guys can help me get in there and help me, I'll do it. And they did. They, um, my, my team drove him across country. I met them over there after I got my horses settled in and rode him. And then they drove him home and I was able to get back here and get back to the horses that I left behind. Wow. That's a crazy idea. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Absolutely. So what's next for you guys? Say that again. So what's next for you guys? Have you thought about that yet? Reese, I haven't. 
I don't know. That's okay. That's okay. I've never been this far. This is so far in the virgin territory. I haven't a clue what's next. You tell me. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I think CDI Grand Prix is, is what's next, but I'm just going to throw that in there. So, Well, that is. Well, we, we, we did that. Our goal is to get over 70% in the Grand Prix this year. There you go. Well, I think that's a great goal. That's phenomenal. And he's also Done. a breeding stallion, right? So you also are doing Yes, he is. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Jessica, thank you so much for your time and coming on the show. And how do our listeners find you online if they want to learn more about you and Cardi? Say that one more time, Reese. I'm, I'm in the barn. No, how, how do our listeners find you online? Um, they can find me on my website, www.eqequestrian.com. They can find me on Facebook. Um, Cardi has his own page, Team Cardi. They can find Equilibrium on Facebook, and they can find me personally on Facebook. Great. Well, thanks so much, Jessica. When you get that 70%, we want you back on to hear all about it. You got it. I'll look forward to it. Excellent. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot, Reese. Take care. Dr. Rose's Remedies Skin Treatment Salve and Spray are 100% all-natural products. They are anti-inflammatory, antibacterial, antiviral, and antifungal. Dr. Rose's are made with all human-grade ingredients and are safe and effective for treatment for all manner of cuts and scrapes on your horse. And Dr. Rose's is the must-have product here at the Horse Radio Network headquarters to keep PT Scooter's delicate white pasterns free from dew poisoning and scratches. Ask for Dr. Rose's at your local tax store or feed supplier or visit them online at drrosesremedies.com. That's drrosesremedies.com. Well, that was great from Jessica to hear about her journey to Grand Prix with her stallion, Cardi. And I look forward to talking with her again when she reaches her goal of 70% at Grand Prix. We'll keep in touch with you. With a drum roll, please, Philip. <laughs> <laughs> we got our winner. We, we did it. We have our winner for the Total Saddle Fit um, t- uh, listener question. We had so many questions that came in, and Justin from Total Saddle Fit is coming on to announce the winner and he was great. We have a reserve, uh, a reserve champion. Uh, he's also going to give away some stirrup leathers uh, to that particular person. So Justin was great and came on and, and did that. So we look forward to that. Finally announce our winner of our Total Saddle Fit um, contest for a girth. And we have to be honest, we were completely overwhelmed with the amount of questions we got for Justin. So I want to get here for the winning question. Justin, how are you? I'm wonderful. Thanks for having Excellent. me on. I'm, I'm thrilled. I think this is the third appearance, and uh, it's been great every time. So I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah, well, you're I becoming guess it, a regular. Yeah, it turns out people have a lot of saddle questions, which is great. Well, good. Hopefully, I have some answers for them. <laughs> we love it. Well, okay. So, Philip, this has been really exciting. And can you drum roll, please? Which I don't <laughs> have. Drum roll. Can you read the winning question for us? Okay, the winning question comes from Sucks to Be. I hope I got the name right. Um, it says, Hi, I'm a physiotherapist, which causes me to compare saddle fitting to orthotic fitting. I have trouble understanding how riders feel that one tree setting can fit all horses when there are hundreds of various musculoskeletal body shapes horses have on their top line. What are your thoughts on adjustable saddles and just the custom fitting overall, Justin? I thought that this was a pretty good question. 
I think is a great question. And it's one that's so, it uh, applies to so many people. So um, here we go with uh, my answer. Now, I'm a little bit, there's levels to this, because obviously, in an ideal case, you have one horse, one saddle, and everything is fit perfectly. But that's just not realistic for everybody. So for a saddle that does not have an adjustable tree, if we're just talking about general tree fit, um, it's good just to err on the wider side because you can always pad up a wider saddle to get the right balance as opposed to an error. Now, balance really cuts to the core. As long as the saddle is sitting level, it's not low in the front or low behind or hanging off to one side, you're generally going to be in pretty good shape because it's about carrying that even weight distribution over the horse's back, not focusing it on one little pressure point. Um, and the only caveat with that is just to be a little bit careful that if you do have a tree that you're, that you know you're getting on the wide side, um, is to not go too wide, which is something that I see probably a little bit more often than, than I'd like. A rider thinks she's going to take care of her horse by giving him all kinds of shoulder room, which is a noble intention. But in practice, what happens is if the saddle tree gets too wide, the saddle can sit low in the front or it could rest on the horse's withers and you'll ultimately get the inverse effect because instead of giving them all kinds of room in the shoulders, you're actually creating a pressure point by creating a low point in the front of the saddle or resting on the withers or something like that. Just a little caveat to keep an eye on. Um, now, as it pertains to the adjustable trees, they're a great concept and they can definitely be used for you know a rider on a budget or maybe a rider one saddle and four different horses or something like that. Um, but there is also a little something to look out for because when you change um, and if you, if you don't really know 100% what you're doing, you can kind of get yourself into trouble every once in a while. So what I would suggest is for anybody that knows well what they're doing, then they can really make a lot of use out of an adjustable saddle uh, with an adjustable tree. But if you're a little bit unsure to save yourself you know, all kinds of future vet bills or that kind of thing, I'd suggest getting a saddle fitter out just for, you know, like a one-hour consultation to give you all kinds of insight into how to use the different tree sizes to help your horse. So that could be they'll give you padding advice or, you know, use this gullet plate for this horse and this other one for the other horse or anything along those lines. Also, things to look out for, like if the saddle starts doing this or your horse starts reacting that way, well, then you might have a problem, so just be careful. Um, but in terms of getting the saddle fitter out, you know, the $100 or $200, whatever that might cost, will be far less than having to buy multiple saddles or pay for a future vet build or anything like that. So, you know, the uh, adjustable trees are definitely a good concept, but use them with caution. Okay, great. Thank you for that. Thank you for that answer. Total Saddle Fit, the shoulder relief girth that Reese and Philip both love. And here's why. The saddle fit solution you have been waiting for is finally here. TotalSaddleFit.com is proud to introduce the shoulder relief girth. This strategically shaped girth actually moves the girth line of your saddle back over one inch, thereby freeing your horse's shoulders from the saddle. Traditional girths pull saddles up against a horse's shoulders and often over the top of the shoulders. The shoulder relief girth's recessed ends allow for the billets to buckle into the girth farther back to give your horse unparalleled freedom of motion. We are so certain that your saddle will fit better and your horse will be more comfortable that for a limited time we are offering a 30-day, 110% money-back guarantee. 
If you are not totally satisfied with your shoulder relief girth, send it back for a full refund plus 10% of the purchase price. Don't wait. Order now for the best saddle fit solution available. At totalsaddlefit.com. Visit totalsaddlefit.com. Well, we had so many great responses to our contest. It's our first contest, so we're very excited how it went. Uh, and Justin was wonderful and said that he would give the reserve champion a set of stirrup leathers. So, Justin, thank you so much from Total Saddle Fit. Um, so, Philip, can you read off the reserve champion question? Well, our, our second, I mean, there was a lot of great questions, and it was tough to pick, of course, um, but um, it's, it's nice that we were able to do two here. So um, the second question comes from Lynn Popa. It asks, how do you measure for a dressage girth? Is there a sweet spot where the buckle should go, and is the shoulder relief girth fit the same way? Thanks from Lynn. So great. Thank you for the question, and we yeah, got Justin here to question. answer it. This was, I really like this one because this is always the one that I, I never, I don't know the answer either. So I was really excited about this one. I think it's a great question too, and very fitting for what we do. And um, just kind of along those, you know, along those lines where girth can sometimes be forgotten about. So it is important that we talk about it and make sure that the girth fit is um, right as well. So uh, generally, I know sometimes people will like to set a saddle on a horse and take a tape measure and measure from, you know, a particular billet hole around their horse's belly to the other end of the billet. And that's, that's an okay last resort measure, but it, but it has a lot of room for error because depending on how soft the saddle is and the horse's body, you know, once you girth the saddle up, it, it doesn't always come out accurately. So what I like to recommend is that you first test for a girth length by taking any girth you can find that will sort of fit your horse, a friend, a barnmate, whatever it might be and get that girth nice and snug, and then you can take a look at where it sits on the saddle. Now, for a dressage girth, what we're looking for is generally a little bit on the longer side. So we like to recommend four to six inches from the bottom of the saddle flap to the end of the girth buckle, and that'll vary a little bit depending on how long your flap is and um, a couple things like that. But generally, we would like it longer. So when you find your friend's girth, you, you get it all cinched up, and you just look at where those buckles end compared to where you want them to end. And let's say that your friend's girth is about four inches too short. So if it's four inches too short on one side, that means overall it's eight inches too short. So when you take that girth off and you measure it from buckle end to buckle end, you'll realize that whatever that measure com measurement comes to, you'll have to add eight inches to it to find the right girth for your horse. Now, I, I mentioned briefly there that we need to make girth a little bit on the long side. There's a couple reasons for that. One, we want to keep the buckles away from the horse's elbow. Last thing we want is, is you know, uh, um, galls and stuff like that coming from there. And we want to carry the pressure of the girth over the largest surface area we can. And lastly, we want to make sure the end of the girth is not resting on the horse's pectoral muscles. So when you, when you go a little bit longer, you can... Um, you can take care of those different concerns and make sure the girth is right. Uh, so once you figure out the length, you can order accordingly. And generally, you know, girths come in even sizes in two-inch increments. So if it comes down to 27.3 inches is the right size for you, you can order the 28, you know, one inch, one direction to the other isn't going to make too big of a difference. Um, and as, so as far as the shoulder relief girth goes, 
we measure it true to size from buckle end to buckle end just to make it as easy as possible to find the right size. Not every brand does that, so you may want to check if you're not buying a girth from Total Saddle Fit. But um, it should fall pretty pretty close in those limits of buckle end to buckle end should be your girth length. Well, that's great. Um, in relation to the to the elbow, how far above that would you say? A couple inches, four inches? Um, well, you know, ultimately the more space you can get, the better. Now, it's going to vary from horse to horse because you have a very small horse and, you know, a long flat saddle. You're not going to have too much room to work with right. as opposed to maybe a big warm blood. But I would just say um, the farther away you can get it, the better. So from your horse, kind of where the saddle fits compared to your horse's body, just keep it up close, keep the end of the girth up closer to the flap and you'll be doing the best by your horse. Okay. No, and I think that's, yeah, I think that's a great reminder because, you know, you look and, and that's one thing. I, I think you told us that on another tip, Justin, and I look now to see where the buckles are because I'd never even thought about it, you know, with the elbow and the buckles and where are they and are they getting pinched? So that was really helpful. So I think that that's even, even more helpful reminder about how to find that because, you know, again, you don't know. You sort of guess, or at least I do, so it makes <laughs> it smarter. But I certainly, for the longest time, just sort of was like, well, I have this one. Let me try it and never really had those benchmarks. So that's awesome. I love it. And as we all know, the Total Saddle Fit Shoulder Relief Girth, I love it. I use it every day on as many horses as I can. And my Denali is not as grumpy. So I love it. Great to hear. <laughs> well, Justin, thank you so much for, for hosting the, our first contest here in the Dressage Radio Show. It has been a huge success. And we're going to have you um, keep coming back because we have a lot of questions and we, do, we want to answer all the questions we can for everybody because uh, everyone did a great job sending in those questions. And it really was hard when Philip was visiting. Um, we we went, sat down and went through all the questions and then we sent them to Justin. So it's been a fun process and we look forward to it and um, look forward to all your answers. So thanks for being such a good supporter of the show. And we hope everyone enjoys their new girth and saddle and uh, leathers as well. Well, thank you for having me on. I'm looking forward to the next time. Well, Philip, I really enjoyed that contest. We're going to have to do that again. It was it was fun, but it was a lot. It was a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little more work, but we love that. We love it when you when everybody writes in. We love people who like, get involved with our show yes. because it gives us content. I mean, yes, we want to know what people it. are interested in and and what questions you have about dressage or or you know what what kind of interview we could do if you if you have somebody who you think. Oh, I'd really like to hear from this person. We we can de- definitely try to get them on the show and uh, and talk to them about different issues. Um, you know, so whatever anybody's thinking to help us improve the show, improve the show, we can definitely uh, use the tips. Absolutely, we love it. Well, you can find our show notes and links to today's guest on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. You can find me at philipparksequestrian.com and my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a great show and don't forget to check out all the other shows on horseradionetwork.com. 
Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back. And we are not recording next week um, because of Thanksgiving, but I wish everybody a very happy Thanksgiving. And we will be back at the beginning of December. Thank you.